freedom is for you. You have so much more control over your life than you think. You just have to get outside your comfort zone and do a little bit of work. Do a couple things right. It doesn't matter if you mess up. You just have to do a couple of things right, which will change the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Sweet Fire Podcast, where our mission is to study and celebrate the lives of women who dare to let their fire light up the world. I'm your host, J.P. Mitchell, educator, author, speaker, and curator of stories. I'm so glad you're with us. Let's get into today's episode. Nasima McElroy is a published author and the founder of Financially Intentional, a platform about personal finance and living life intentionally. Nasima discusses how taking control of her finances has enabled her to overcome bankruptcy, divorce, and to break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. She shares her lessons along her path to help others benefit from the freedoms of financial independence. Today we have with us Nasima McElroy, and I came across her online and she was gracious enough to allow me to interview her. And so I just want to thank you so much today for being with me and giving some of your time and you didn't have to do that. So thank you very much. I appreciate being on here. I appreciate you reaching out. Yes. So Miss mm-hmm. McElroy is a labor mm-hmm. livery nurse and she has a platform called Financially Intentional where she helps people dig into the everyday ways that they can get a hold of wealth and be in control of their finances. And she has a testimony of paying off nearly a million dollars in debt, being able to grow her net worth to nearly a million dollars. What got my attention about Miss McElroy was a story that I read about her in which she saw injustice happening around Black women's health care, and she had to make a decision about whether she was going to speak up, whether she could afford to speak up, and whether she was going to stay silent. And so most of the time, those kinds of decisions boil down to financial decisions. So can you tell us a little bit about how your fire rose up in this and how you navigated all of those things? Sure. And I, and I love the title, FIRE. And that's actually the community, financial community I'm part of. It's um, financially independent, retire early, less on the retirement early, but the ability to make work optional is pretty significant. So I didn't start on this journey intentionally, like knowing that I would go down this path. What happened was, it's just that I just knew I needed to get better with money. I knew it wasn't something that was ever taught to me and something that I can just expect to, you know, gain through osmosis. I had to be very intentional about, you know, doing the things that I needed to do to actually build wealth. I think we're good at finding ways to make money, but building wealth and keeping that money and being able to pass it to the next generation is something that we're not taught. But I took that upon myself. And so I sat on this journey to just get better with my finances for the sake of me being a single mom with the daughter turning one. And as I proceeded on this journey and started paying down debt and just started learning more and more about what real wealth meant, I understand that wealth actually meant taking control over your life. It meant the things that you didn't have to do. And it also meant that you know, you could opt out of situations that you couldn't before because you're financially beholden to someone. So in 2017, I had paid off my million dollars in debt. I was debt free. 
part of that debt-free journey was me selling my house. And so I relocated and relocated medical centers within the same organization. But in that relocation, I started to see some things that was very unsettling as far as the way Black women were being treated in labor. And um, it got to a point where I couldn't stay silent anymore. And when I spoke up about it, I was told it was my fault. And this is the organization that I've worked on several sides on. Like I have a master's in healthcare administration. So I've been all through leadership, compliance, all of those areas. And so that I was aware (laughs) that, you know, I wasn't supposed to be treated like that, even though (laughs) I don't think they were aware. And they also just didn't know who they were dealing with. And so I took it upon myself and because of my know-how and because of my financial position, I took a stance on what I believed in and spoke out about these issues. And ultimately it did cost me my job, but I wasn't stressing off of that. I was stressing off of the fact that I felt like these issues needed to be heard. And so I did that. And what I teach is financial independence through the lens of how much control you have over your life. And especially in the realm of nursing, I teach financial independence because I feel like nurses are the ultimate patient advocates. Like that's our primary role. But oftentimes we can't step into those roles because we are afraid of losing our sources of income. And so I feel like it's our personal responsibility to be able to build wealth. And those are the things that I teach on my platform, Financially Intentional. Wow. So what I take away that anyone could learn from is positioning oneself to have true freedom of speech, essentially, and freedom of advocacy so that you don't have to weigh out being true to your values and what you know is right. But you know, freedom of speech isn't cheap, especially for us, because freedom of speech for us often means losing our jobs because that makes people feel uncomfortable. It means, you know, being in situations where you can be considered hostile and find yourselves in positions where you might have to pay for getting yourself out of jail or pay for a family member to do that. And so for us, freedom isn't free. And to be able to guard against that financially is a goal and a cost to us that we have to consider. Wow. I think that is incredibly powerful. And when you talk about, you know, being labeled certain things, it, what does that cost us? Being labeled for speaking up. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I think like anytime we kind of make people uncomfortable or go outside of a box that people unfairly put us in because it's the way that they can wrap their head around associating with us, we're automatically looked at as a threat. And that means like just simply you being who you are. You can laugh the wrong way. You can sneeze the wrong way and you can be interpreted as a threat. And the issue with that is, is that because of the systems and because of how, you know, corporate settings are set up and anything that can be looked at as not professional, when somebody can label you as not professional, it follows you and it gets put on your records It affects your pay raises. It affects your promotions. And so it's very dangerous. But to be able to call it what it is and to not be afraid to speak out and to call people on their prejudices and all of those things comes with a cost as well. And a lot of people just don't feel like they should have to take that on. And so the cycle continues and it keeps on happening. And so, yeah, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous game we're playing by being silent. And it's a dangerous game we're playing by speaking up. But it's like, either way, you're making a decision and it's going to cost you. Yeah. 
True. Wow. And so as you were saying that, it made me think about how, let's just say a big crowd of people and maybe one or two out of that crowd are going to have a standout experience where they have to personally confront injustice in a way that they may not have, you know, people backing them may not have support. That combination of preparedness and courage to address and almost a, you know, a fearlessness, that's a rare combination. And so do you think that the people who are willing to do what you did or a Dr. King or somebody did are rare or there are a lot more like you, they just make a different choice. You know, I think I'm very unique and not like people can't be like me. It's just that I've always kind of been outside the box. I was raised by a single dad. My dad was a Panther. He was Muslim. So everything that I grew up in society, like not only would I be the only like black girl in my class, but I was the only Muslim in my class. Or, you know, I was the only one that was raised by a single parent and my single parent had to be, happened to be my dad. And so all of those things I embraced as something that was with who I am and not something that was countercultural. And so anytime somebody would question those things, I grew up, you know, always speaking out for myself. And so I think that unique combination prepared me to come into the world kind of like a fighter and come into these corporate spaces. And that's why, you know, actually I'm not great in corporate settings because, you know, it's it's a lot about assimilating and kind of fitting in and all of those kind of things. And I feel like I bring me and if I'm assimilating to who you are, then you're taking away my uniqueness and my individuality. Therefore, what am I contributing? So I refuse to do that. And so I, I'm used to not being accepted in all the rooms. And so, and it doesn't bother me because at the end of the day, who do I have to report to? I have to report to myself and I don't want to sell myself short. Like if you're constantly disappointing yourself. How are you showing up for other people? And so that's how, you know, I just view life in general. And I'm saying this is unique just because everything that we're told in society, especially the more assimilated, the more similar you are to people, you are told to, you know, fit into these boxes, like even through the way our educational system is set up with bells and, you know, that you were taught to fit into like these little systems and yeah. structures. And so- it's not that people don't, it's just that it's uncomfortable for them to get out of those settings that they're supposed to be in. And people make it uncomfortable for them. So people are naturally going to go to where it's comfortable. Yes. I'm a fan of the Crucial Conversations framework, you know, from yes. Not Vital Smarts, <laughs> now they call themselves Crucial Learning. And so you, you know, sound like you're familiar with that. I love that framework. I got certified in it to bring it to my school district and, you know, kind of helped get some other people trained in it because I think that hard conversations are a thing that in my field in education, we get no training with, you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm, that's in nursing too. Like we're actually trying to bring actually exactly crucial conversations because, you know, there's a lot of lateral violence in nursing, just like I'm assuming there's a lot of lateral violence in the school systems. And, you know, I think it's this thing of like where there are majority women and we're expected to be soft, but then we're expected to be leaders, but we're not expected to be hard. 
and then we're not expected. You know what I'm saying? So we're, there's all these things. And then add on the fact that, you know, if you're a black woman, then you're even further looked at in a certain way. So people don't understand how to communicate properly and have effective conversations. And so, yes, I, I am 100% on board with that. But yes, it's, it's the same in nursing. Wow. So, you know, sometimes I feel like we need scripts. And that's what I like about Crucial Conversations is giving you a very specific framework for looking at a, a challenge. I almost feel like we need language that we can use that's kind of like go-to language because when you're right in the middle of, let's just say a microaggression or a macroaggression that you're trying to process through and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I diplomatically address this, but also make sure that I let it be known. There's a lot going on in your head that people don't recognize in that, you know, time is like slowed down, you know, and you, and yeah. so I would love to figure out what it would look like to give our girls some language for that because they're young, they're developing, they're trying to figure out just life in general and they're dealing with all these things. And so is there any language that you would say is kind of like go-to language for you when you are about to make something known to somebody, but you know, there's a a possibility that, okay, this is going to be threatening. Well, typically I'm the one that everybody just knows is going to say something, but if it gets to the point where it gets escalated and like people are brought in to correct my behavior, then I call out all of those things and all the things that have happened historically and the ways that instead of listening, you automatically labeled me or the fact that it's okay to disagree and it's okay to be upset in the workplace, but we have to have healthy ways of dealing with that instead of automatically being labeled as angry or unapproachable or not compliant, you know? And once you frame it like that, people kind of take a step back and say, okay, maybe this is something I should have investigated a little bit more before coming to you. But like I have girls, right? But my girls are are young. They're four and eight. But, you know, they're trying to fit in. But early on in life, they have been faced with times where they're told they don't belong in settings. And it's very hurtful. And then dealing with that is, you know, just a whole nother situation. It's, It's hard. It's hard as a parent. And I just teach them to be as self-confident and knowing that they are perfect in who they are and that they don't have to be in these circles. And the best circle is going to be the one that they create for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I try to equip them with those things. But then I often have to step back and look and see how fortunate it was for me to be able to identify those things for myself early on. Yeah, I see how unique that part is because a lot of it is we are taught to want to fit in. Mm-hmm. My kids just want to fit in. Yeah, it is hard. It's definitely hard. You know, it's very interesting is that both my girls are very different in the way that they navigate. My oldest is very sweet. And she just wants like, she's like, she's the kind of person, can we all just get along and really trying to fit? But then she's also seeing, you know, friends disassociating with her for no reason other than, you know, she's the black girl, you know, in her school and then having to navigate that and understand that. And then my youngest one, she just doesn't care. She's going to do what she wants. She's very, um, what, whatever she believes in is what her reality is and anything that fits out of that she doesn't allow it in her world like if it's a person she will not associate with them 
if it's a, a situation, it does not exist to her. And so she just creates her own reality to fit what she wants it to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really different. And I think, yeah, that's how people are. They decide early in life, like how they're going to navigate certain situations. I mean, like I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So I see babies from the moment they come out and I see how they act on the inside and typically how they are from the womb is how they will be. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it's just, I mean, there's, of course, there's uh, environmental factors that go into it, but like who you are fundamentally and how you think of things is kind of something that I feel like is kind of ingrained early. Yeah. I heard you talk in your interview, in one of these interviews about being able to pay off nearly a million dollars in debt by paying attention and being intentional with your money. And I feel like the sweet fire moment, you know, that we talked about earlier with speaking up um, was also about paying attention. And I feel like that's a thread that kind of runs through, you know, what you have done and how you've functioned. What would you say to people about the importance of being a person who listens, who takes note, and who's willing to act on what they notice? You know, I I was listening to this book, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and I think she said it best is that we're taught to kind of not feel into numb and that you're supposed to be happy all the time. So then it makes us want to tune out, but it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel those things. The thing is, is that it's uncomfortable for me to be broke or to be dependent on a job. You're going to be uncomfortable in some kind of way. You're just choosing your discomfort. And some of that is just like numbing yourself. And so paying off debt was really that awakening in me about intentionality. And it did start with me really paying attention to my money, but it trickled over into me paying attention to just my consciousness, my diet. What promises haven't I kept to myself so that I don't even trust myself? Intentionality really is about introspection and understanding why we do certain things and then actively creating a plan to change that. Wow. Yes, yes. That's very powerful. Really, truly appreciate you. I have one last final question. Is there any message that you want to leave with girls in general? Just Just that you are worthy. Wealth is for you. Freedom is for you. You have so much more control over your life than you think. You just have to get outside your comfort zone and do a little bit of work. Do a couple things right. It doesn't matter if you mess up. You just have to do a couple of things right, which will change the trajectory of your life and the next generation. So be comfortable with being uncomfortable, even if it's just for a minute. And know that you're doing it because you are worthy of everything. Powerful. Thank you so much, Miss Nasima McElroy. (laughs) We appreciate you. And you as a sweet fire are definitely letting your fire light up the world. And we thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been inspired and we hope that you'll visit us at www.osweetfire.com to learn more about the Sweet Fire picture book that was the inspiration for this podcast. We will see you next week. And until then, keep letting your fire light up the world.